know what elective surgery the secretary had, even though the American people don't know? And does he know what his current symptoms are and his current health condition is? I know that the president had an opportunity to talk to Secretary Austin uh, a couple of days ago. We should well get uh, that conversation. And, uh, and I don't know the level of the president's personal knowledge of his medical uh, situation. And then you mean it's been days now? Days since the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin was laid up, incapacitated, and the president still doesn't know what's going on with him? You'll note that only Republicans are talking about this story. It's because Democrats have given up the ghost of even giving a damn. Let's take a moment to understand what it is John Kirby was saying right there, what it is that has taken place. What has taken place is that the Secretary of Defense, unbeknownst to the President of the United States, to which the Secretary of Defense is responsible to, reports to, the Secretary of Defense was hospitalized for days, incapacitated, and the president was not informed. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. That's the number. 833-468-8669. 833-GOT-TONY. You want to defend this? I want to hear from you. I want to hear from the people defending this. The president didn't know. Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor, did not know. White House aides did not know. Until three days after he was hospitalized on January 1st, did the Pentagon inform the White House. Go back to John Kirby. Between between the the two men, uh, your your question about that elective procedure is really better directed to the Pentagon, not... Uh, not to us. I want to make sure I put a fork in my answer to you. There is no uh, uh, no plans for anything other than for Secretary Austin to stay in the job and continuing the leadership that he's been exu- that he's been demonstrating. He's been demonstrating leadership. They're on Air Force One having this conversation. What leadership are you referring to? The entirety of the team didn't let the president know that he was incapacitated. The deputy secretary of defense, her name is Kathleen Hicks. She was given the secretary's responsibilities. She was on vacation. She was not told he was in a hospital. What leadership is this? What level of no safety is this? Well, it's massive levels of no safety. There is no system at play. These are not adults. These are children. And it's just our future in their hands. Only Republicans are upset by this. Democrats couldn't give a good, holy damn. Why is that? The reporting from, for example, Fox News, GOP senators outraged over shocking breakdown related to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's secret hospitalization. We also don't know what happened to him. So let me uh, 
let me engage what can only be engaged at these moments when the defense secretary is incapacitated and the White House is not informed. Secretary Lloyd Austin was poisoned by the Russians. Wait, hold on. Nope, that, that we have absolutely no proof of that at all. Tony, you can't say things like that. Okay, I apologize. I apologize. We don't want to speculate on why the defense secretary was hospitalized and we have not been told why uh, that is, has happened. The secretary was poisoned by the Chinese. Nope, Tony, you can't say that either. You cannot, you're not allowed to say things like that. You cannot say anything regarding, you have no proof of that. That is only going to engage in fear, Tony. You can't do it. Fine, fine, fine. I won't, I won't say anything like it. Secretary Lloyd Austin was attacked by the Israelis. Well, it's about the Jews, and that's fine. You can say anything you want about those people. It's totally okay. No, Tony, you can't really say that. But they said I could say it. Yeah, well, that's because they hate Jews, but they don't want to say they hate Jews, so they'll let you say it even though they don't want you to say it. But you shouldn't say it because you're actually a decent person. I have no idea what happened to Secretary Austin. I don't have the slightest clue. That in and of itself is a problem, and that is going to engage this. Get ready for it. You're going to hear it everywhere, all over the place. But let's go back to that headline. GOP senators outraged over shocking breakdown related to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's secret hospitalization. That's Fox. Axios. Republicans erupt over secrecy in Defense Secretary's hospitalization. Those are actually different headlines. Republicans erupt. Senators outraged. They're different headlines. The question before us is, how come no Democrats are upset with the total breakdown in communication? Speaking of, I've got the threat of China. I've got the Houthi rebels thinking that they're in charge of the navigable seas and the United States is letting them do it. I have got an issue on the southern border that is bigger than anybody talks about. I have got uh, Russia trying its best to break any line they can in Ukraine. And I have got Israel and Hamas in a fight to hopefully Hamas's death. You're the president of the United States. You got all this going on. You haven't heard from your defense secretary in three days. Oh, I know, I know. Joey's on vacation having a little bit of ice cream saying this is the life. Top of the world, Ma. From Scranton to St. Croix. That's where he did his vacation. He wasn't in his in touch with his defense secretary for three days. Well, now I have a question. How often does he speak to his defense secretary? How often? How often does he speak to his team? I have questions. I would like an answer uh, to the question. I think you would too. No one notified the White House. So first you've got the total breakdown there. The total, uh, uh, no one for three days, for three days, no one thought to call the president. 
No one said in a meeting, by the way, anybody call Joe? No one said that. If your mother was in the hospital an hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, five hours would go by. You're sitting there at 2 a.m. You're waiting to get some information from this surgery. And someone would say, should we call Aunt Frida? Somebody would ask that question. And for three days, no one asked. Anybody called Joe? Should we call Joe? As a matter of fact, as was reported, Secretary Lloyd Austin's chief of staff was uh, herself sick. So because the chief of staff has got the sniffles, nobody else in the office knew how to pick up a phone? Oh, that's not my responsibility. Oh, that's not my job. Oh, that's not what I do. Is that right? Now let's go back again to the fact that nobody contacted the president. You're now the president of the United States. What do you mean one of my highest ranking cabinet officials was in the hospital for three days, incapacitated, and nobody called me? Did he have security around him? Was he lucid? Was he saying things he shouldn't say? To whom was he saying these things? Who was in the room with him? Who was vetted? You're the president, and you're not... So angry you start firing people? No, you've got John Kirby there in the White House saying, uh, or, or on, on Air Force One, oh, no, no, the, the secretary's going to keep uh, engaging in some wonderful leadership. Wonderful leadership? You're making your boss look like a schmuck. Your boss, who is inept and is old and is a fool, looks like an inept old fool. Ah, yeah, I'm going to be in the hospital. I'm not even telling him. I'm not even... This guy, he won't even know. Well, he's going to notice. This whole thing. This whole thing is flat out nutty. And I would leave it at nutty if it wasn't so wholly dangerous. And I'm going to say it again. Democrats don't give a damn. Why? I make no argument to the fact that Joe Biden is president and that Lloyd Austin is the Secretary of Defense. I'm not claiming that these things aren't real. I am making the statement that we have to run things like professionals. And the Defense Secretary didn't let the president know he was incapacitated. No one in his staff uh, was told, why don't you want people fired? Why aren't you bothered by this? Because just like I ask uh, a, a series of questions and how these things pile on one another, who else has been incapacitated or out of the office or unresponsive and Joe Biden didn't know? Leads to another question. Would Joe Biden know if he knew? Does he not get told because no one feels the need to tell him anything? Because they all act independently because they know he's a doddering old fool, incapable of the daily task. They know that he's just propped up there. The, the latest video of, of Joe Biden 
after he's giving that ridiculous Valley Forge speech, um, is him being led off the stage by Dr. Jill Biden. Joe Biden can't get himself off the stage. It's I, I'm not being rude. I'm not attacking him. These are the facts. And if you say to me I'm an ageist, I'll say to you, damn straight I am. I'm, I'm an ageist. I went to go visit my parents. My father's 85. My mother is 76. How dare you say your mother's age? Please, it's fine. Um, It has not been a good few years, kittens. It has not been a good few years for health. You know what my conversation is now? Am I taking over their finances? They're not gone. They're not the same. To what extent is the responsibility of the son? Well, I think the responsibility starts with taking your emotion out of it. Because if you leave your emotion into it, you're you're wrecked. <laughs> you are you are gone. You will just be sitting in a corner in a pile of your own tears and bourbon, saying, "What happened?" You got to take the emotion out of it. Is this where we're at? For their safety which is seen as an act of, could be seen, depending on the parent, depending on what's going on in the mind, as an act of anger when it's only meant to be an act of love. I'm an ageist. There comes a moment where you can't do what you used to do. Why is this now a bad conversation? Because it's about Joe Biden? Because it's about a Democrat? I don't give a damn doesn't mean it doesn't matter it's the 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 facts matter not 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 the emotion how many times has no one told biden and how many times has biden been told and not remember he was told series of questions that come from this and the idea that lloyd austin the secretary of defense isn't going to lose his job These are not adults in charge by any stretch of the imagination. Any president who would accept this is a damn fool. I'm Tony Katz. I didn't know I'd have a theme today. But if there is one, it's the level of unseriousness by those who claim to be our betters. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is going on, kitten? 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The mayor of Chicago, the socialist, Brandon Johnson, goes on TV with Al Sharpton. The race hustler and bigot. I'm sorry, too soon? No, I didn't forget Freddie's Fashion Mart. Said what I said. Um, the mayor, who doesn't believe you should get upset with uh, any uh, mob running through the city because they might be made up of teenagers and that's just wrong to do. 
who doesn't uh, at once ever take a look at his own policies, only looks at the, the policies of others like the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who is sending these people coming to the country illegally to all these sanctuary cities because this is what they wanted. He is on Al Sharpton's show. Al Sharpton has a show, ladies and gentlemen, on MSNBC. And the reason that Greg Abbott is sending uh, illegal immigrants to these cities? Well, you know, look, you're very, you're absolutely right about the intentions of Governor Abbott. Um, He is attacking democratically ran cities, and particularly cities that are being led um, by black leaders or leaders of color. This is unconscionable. I mean, it's a very raggedy approach, and quite frankly, not only is it reckless and raggedy, um, but it is evil-spirited. And so what... First of all, I don't know, uh, raggedy, who uses that term? Secondly, you're a sanctuary city, you're a black mayor, What? what's the issue? Only black mayors? Weren't we, wasn't he sending people to uh, Martha's Vineyard? It's racist to send them to you? You DEI people are freaking ridiculous. You are children. No mind whatsoever. All you can do is scream race because why should you have to have a conversation about your failed policies? Which brings us to everybody's favorite fool, Representative Ocasio-Cortez. I never really spoke about her like that before. I've always said that her policies are childlike. But I don't know her as a person. She might be a nice friend. She might be a nice daughter. I I have no idea about her personally. But her policies are childlike. But it's gotten so much worse that she is, uh, as is described and as was utilized, uh, a, a useful idiot. She is the definition of that terminology. Her solution to dealing with the border while she's on The Daily Show, which used to be a show that you might actually want to watch on Comedy Central, and then Trevor Noah kind of ruined it, and now it's just ridiculous. From all parts of the political spectrum, one of the biggest issues that we have when it comes to immigration is the fact that we have an undocumented population. Mm -hmm. Now, you can fix that by trying to build a wall, or you can fix that by trying to document people and create a path to citizenship. The backwards logic, never mind the cheering hordes of of the pseudo-intellectual. She is telling you there's no need for a border. There's no need for border security. It doesn't matter. Just make them citizens. You You can get rid of the undocumented problem by making them documented. That's a take. A lot of hate in that. And as I said about the mayor of Chicago, there's a lot of hate in DEI. But there is nothing that will prepare you for what took place on Chris Wallace's show. Yes, he's still alive and he has a show. And normally I wouldn't have paid attention. But holy moly, you got to hear it. Don't go anywhere. This is Tony Katz today.
What you are about to hear is a true story. No names have been changed to protect the innocent because none of these people are innocent. They are guilty. Guilty as sin. Guilty as the sun rises in the east. And they should be held accountable for their crimes against humanity. That crime being complete and total nonsense merchants right in front of your very eyes. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. I saw the, the, the post there on X from Jonah Goldberg. And Jonah Goldberg, a smart dude, but Jonah Goldberg, um, with, with the, the, the Trump hate, a level of unseriousness. I'm not saying you have to like the man. I'm not saying you have to vote for the man. But anytime you position yourself in the never Trump category, you are unserious. It is an un, it is a not conservative position. And you cannot tell me you're a conservative and do that. You can have disagreements. You can ha- have issue. Not communist. That you can do. Never Trump. Mm, that doesn't that doesn't even doesn't compute. But if you didn't like things that Fox was doing regarding the election and talking about the election, you're more than welcome to quit. And he did. And okay, fine. Jonah Goldberg, I think, has hurt himself. But I won't take away from the fact that he has written good books. Bright dude. But when he posted on X, here's the clip uh, 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 of me uh, on Chris Wallace's show. I almost responded Dude, because he was upset with something he said. He thought he said something glib, and he should have said something else. And I almost responded, dude, no one's watching Chris Wallace's show. No one cares. Don't worry about it. But I didn't. Instead, I watched the clip. And after watching the clip, I commend you to watch it. Because if you don't, you are missing some of the greatest nonsense the world has ever seen from two, one uh, Kara Swisher from the New York Times and then a New York Times uh, podcaster. It's surreal. So it starts with, or I start it with, this uh, question that Chris Wallace is asking Jonah Goldberg. Now, Jonah Goldberg is joined by Raihan Salam. Now, I don't know Raihan. I do know he works at City Journal. That's the Manhattan Institute. And City Journal is spectacular. You want to talk about having your mind blown, realizing maybe for the first time ever, oh, yeah, these people are definitely smarter than me. City Journal. And uh, I'm not saying you agree I am saying just from the recognition that there are people out there smarter than you. Because <laughs> when I first read City Journal, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And then I, uh, there are only two times in my entire radio career that I've been rendered speechless. And one of them was from Nicole Gelinas of City Journal, who kicked my ass on air. The other one, former Congressman Thaddeus McCotter. True story. I'll tell that another time. So this starts with... A conversation, a question Chris Wallace asks to Jonah Goldberg about 
Biden and this Valley Forge speech, and I mean, he did everything but 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 call Trump Hitler. That's what he wants to say. So it starts in that vein. The MAGA extremist argument, which is the one that in the fall of 2022 Biden made, uh, worked very well for him and for Democrats in the midterm. What do you think of him going to that argument and literally in the speech on Friday talking about Nazis and that and comparing Trump's rhetoric to Nazi rhetoric doing it this early? Yeah, I think that's the right question. It's a tactical question to me as just a matter of politics. I would have his surrogates doing that now. Um, there's a real problem of or there's a real potential of this all just sort of becoming background noise and there's no shock value to it by the time you get yeah. to the general election. Um, and so it's it's going to be dismissed by a lot of people on the right pretty early because argumentum ad Hitlerum is an old tactic of the left. And um, even if it has more salience now, uh, but I just feel like it's a little early to come out of the box like this because I don't know who it's going to persuade. And that's the point is just purely persuading his own coalition to come home. Where do you go when you start with Hitler? Like, really, what, Satan? I'm not sure where you move. And so I think one of the problems he's got is one thing he could do is keep repeating it and repeating it. And the more we see Trump and he says crazy things and people pay attention to it, then people will. Well, 11 months is a we should start with the recognition that they're having a an honest-to-goodness conversation at the start about the possible value of comparing somebody to Hitler. I. They're not saying it shouldn't happen whatsoever. They're saying maybe it's too early. This is exactly the kind of nonsense that I expect from a CNN show. I mean, I should say it's exactly the kind of nonsense that you see on an MSNBC show, but you're not surprised it's on CNN. Kara Swisher and this other uh, host continue. It's a long time. To it is a day. long time, and but you know it'll oh, grow yeah. over time. It'll grow over time that people go, "Oh, that guy." And I think it's better to say, "Look at that guy," than "Look at me." Also, let, one let advantage me. of it though is that when Trump gets called Hitler, Trump's response is to say, "Hey." I didn't get this from Mein Kampf. I came up with this language all on my own, right? So it's sort of like, I didn't plagiarize Hitler. I just used duplicative language. Sure. And I don't think that's a great defense. president of Harvard if you did that. But, Lulu, you, what did you want to say? What I wanted to say is, I mean, as a tactic, sure, is it going to get old? But this is his central message. This has been the, his central message since the moment that he actually said that he was going to try and become president of the United States. Um, it is not unusual for Biden to say... This is why I am here. I am fighting for democracy. I am fighting for this country. And I consider to be Trump to be an existential but threat. Let, the argument that you think Trump is a threat is an argument that is based on A, fear, and B, a falsehood. Because you're not actually making an argument that Trump is a threat. You're making an argument that the people who would vote for Trump are a threat. And this is the, 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 the topic that would, would need to be discussed if this was an honest conversation. First, they're arguing when is the practical moment to compare someone to Hitler, which is disgusting from all of them. Anybody who's participating in this. And secondly, none of this is about Trump. It's about the people voting for Trump. And the willingness to dismiss and attack and destroy and vilify them. Now it gets interesting. Let's be honest about something. 
One of the reasons, and you kind of touched on it in the beginning, one of the reasons that Biden is taking this route is because he has spent all fall touting his own record, leaning into Bidenomics, and it didn't work. Take a look at this latest CNN average of recent polls. At this point, 38% approve of the job the president is doing, 58% disapprove. Raihan, <laughs> I mean, you know, he, saw, he was making the affirmative case for himself, and folks weren't buying it. Joe Biden's best chance right now is to have a low turnout election. We are in a very different moment right now in which in the past the assumption was always uh, among progressive activists. We need to get folks to turn out. We do better in presidential years than we do in off-year elections. Now it's very different. Jonah mentioned very astutely that in 2022 these tactics worked because you had a somewhat more affluent, more educated electorate. A lot of folks were on the sidelines. What Biden is trying to do here, I suspect, is trying to demotivate some folks, number one. Number two, try to see to it that people who might otherwise go to a no-labels candidate or to Robert Kennedy Jr. stick with him out of the sense that the alternative is so noxious and terrible. Now, that might be true. That might be very true, and the reason Joe Biden is doing what he's doing. But it gets nutty. Because then they start getting into a conversation about DEI. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, which of course is bigoted. So these are the people who started with the conversation about whether or not utilizing Trump comparisons is a matter of timing. Now have moved into the DEI conversation. I promised you the madness. I said that it was crazy town you're going to hear from all four of them including Kara Swisher of of the New York Times and you're going to hear from this podcaster I can't make this up kids about after the murder of George Floyd I think there is a broad sense that that racial reckoning involved smuggling in certain really contentious ideological ideas that weren't ultimately about diversity, but rather were about imposing ideological uniformity. When you're looking at DEI bureaucracies, what really is noxious about them is that they actually don't respect all sorts of diversity, including viewpoint diversity, including the fact that, look, in some cases, you have groups that are overrepresented, and that can be okay. You know, the point that J.D. Vance was making about the Dallas Mavericks is that it can be good and healthy and reasonable in some domains to have over-representation. can also be... Well, you can say it's ridiculous. You can make that assertion. But fundamentally, the fact that, you know, I am one second-generation Asian-American on a panel of four. I am massively, massively overrepresented. But I think it's reasonable to say that you're going to judge people based on their merits. And when you're looking at organizations this is, that count excuse that matter, me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. The woman interrupting is very, very important. And I know this because she says, ridiculo, and then says, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, and interrupts. But it is absolutely true what Raihan Solomon is saying here. He would be overrepresented on a panel of four based on the statistics of the nation, but he's on the panel because he has got a skill set that allows him to be able to engage these conversations effectively. 
That's a legitimate statement. The leftists from the New York Times have no time for this. And this woman, this podcaster, is interrupting him. I need you to remember that. It's called foreshadowing, Kitten. I need you to remember that. She interrupted him. This is the burden, and I can't tell you how infuriating I find it. This is the burden that always comes with representation. The idea is that because you are a person of color, suddenly um, it is uh, you are only there because it is some noblesse oblige. It is because some white guilt put you there because there was some DEI initiative and you can't win either either way you look at it. I mean, what infuriates me is you look at the whole Claudine Gay thing and, and everyone's talking about DEI. This woman cannot win or lose either. She, uh, if she is there, I'm happy to talk about no, let me finish. Day, let, let me let me let me finish. If she's you interrupted him. He said he's happy to talk about Claudine Gay. And then you keep saying, let me finish. You interrupted him. But wait there. It's because of DEI that they put her there because she's black. If she loses and they kick her out, it's because she actually was never good enough to be there in the beginning. And she was you can't win in this situation. Yeah, it, it, and it is and it is infuriating I, I as get, a person get, of color the, to constantly have this cudgel put on our I get on the our argument that you, you can't win, but you also can't have it both ways. You can't celebrate and tout that someone was hired and it's a wonderful thing to expand diversity and Harvard went full tilt talking about how great it was to hire the first black woman and then say all of a sudden the first black caught, person it wasn't even the okay. first black woman it was okay. the first black person I don't care the point is is that she got caught obviously plagiarizing and that is the those are the facts that you know there's this massive this was an piece. ideological Absolutely. very well funded the, the motives and, of the attack and, don't and, change the fact that she plagiarized it doesn't matter to them that she plagiarized. Listen to this defense of DEI. The plagiarism doesn't matter. It was a well-funded attack by Christopher Rufo, whose name will come up in this, who is a compatriot of uh, uh, Raihan Salem over there at uh, the Manhattan Institute. It was all an attack because she's black. No, she plagiarized. It got found out. The accounts are dozens and dozens of pieces of plagiarism, engagements of plagiarism. But the DEI people don't care. It doesn't matter to them. And, and where I disagree oh, with you, Kara, is when you say... When somebody we, fails who's white and, and who's mean, a man... Let me finish. Like when someone who fails... When, right, right. Well, yes. When someone... Nobody... In fact, there's books written about this. Fail and then come back. Um, you know, look, look at pivot. Exactly. Pivot. pivot. Nice way to get in your Thank podcast. You. <laughs> um, you know, pivot. And then when a person of color fails, all of a sudden it's an indictment of an entire system that the right doesn't This is like. so yeah. ridiculous. She was a graduate of Exeter and Stanford with a PhD from Harvard. And do you know she, why? Second you generation, so second generation Haitian American who came from a family that dominated the concrete industry right, in right. Haiti. She was not the wretched of the earth. She was someone who should no. be judged on her merits. Wait, and I'm her sorry, chief qualification... Here is the dissertation, the explanation of who Claudine Gay, the former Harvard president, is. Her story. She comes from the elite of the elite, a wealthy family in Haiti. Exeter, you're talking about one of the finest, quote unquote, finest private schools in the nation. Stanford, Harvard, Ph.D. 
And then he makes the statement, she's not part of the wretched refuge. And what does this DEI drama queen from the New York Times say? Wait, if you're black, you're wretched? No one said that. No one came close to saying that. But when your entire world and existence is predicated on race, this is all you can do. It is incredible. This, I'll have it posted over at TonyCats.com. Sarah, we got to get that done. It is unbelievable because I haven't gotten to all of it. It's unbelievable. And you'll note that when she interrupts, it's fine. But when one of these two men responds, hold on, hold on, wait your turn, wait a second. They are disrespectful, these DEI people and these acolytes, these progressives, these elitists, these smug, smug pseudo-intellectuals. You must watch this. And then don't let these people anywhere near power. I'm Tony Katz. So we have got the Dow right now down just 10 points. The NASDAQ up 219. And the 10-year Treasury at 3.971, which we can see that go down. We can see mortgage rates going down. I'll take. I'm Tony Katz.